The name of the pod was our last, best hope for peace. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind, the year the Great War came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Babylon podcasts. The year is 2259. The name of the pod is Babylon 5. Episode 26, The Geometry of Shadows, in which Londo plays stupid political games with a mysterious techno-mage and loses while Commander Ivanova tries to sort out the even stupider political games of the Drazi. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast about the lingering cultural legacy uh, in science fiction and genre television, movies, etc., of the 1990s show Babylon 5. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Chris Tatro, and with me, as always, my charming co-host, John Cassie. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. It, it feels yeah. like you know, I'm having this sense of deja vu at the moment. Yeah, this sort of strange sense of deja vu, right? Yeah. 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 We, 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 will, uh, we will disclose to our, to our good friends in the name of the pod audience that this, this episode marks the first episode that Chris and I have had to re-record because we had a technological snafu. We were in, we were, we were within minutes. Seconds. Within a minute. Yeah. We were in the last minute of recording uh, previously. Yeah. And, uh, and my computer, apropos of nothing, everything seized, turned itself off. Yeah. When I turned it back on, everything we'd done was gone. Everything yeah. on my side was gone. My, mine can't was really still do kicking it. around. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and in fact, if, if your piece had still been there, I could have just... You know, I, I kept talking when, when you were gone and, and right. you know, delivered a, well, you know, thanks for joining us and blah, blah, Facebook and name of the pod at Gmail. And we would have been fine. You know, it would have it would have been great. But right. no, but no. But right. I figure it's probably a rite of passage in the in the podcasting world that, you know, at some point you're going to lose one. Yep. And yep. It, it's like getting and, the first uh, ding in your in your new car. You know, you just, right. OK, now it's done. And, and, you know, I don't have to fear it anymore. Right. So, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to paraphrase uh, one of the immortals, you know, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris. Yes. This episode, The Geometry of Shadows. Yes. Uh, we've got, got kind of three things going on, a couple mm-hmm. of things that may seem to relate to each other, but we're not entirely sure that they do or that we're meant to see them this way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we may be seeing more meaning and depth in between the A and the B plots here than, uh, than was written intentionally into the episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, know, or maybe is even that, strictly speaking, even there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we, we just may be picking up on things. Um, over in the A plot, um, we have Londo's shenanigans antics shenantics i'm not sure uh you know we have we have londo shenaniganating yes yes yeah uh, around these techno mages uh who have come to the station and trying to get their their blessing you know the first centauri emperor received uh, a blessing from from three of them i believe it was uh and and he very londo very much would would like to receive a similar you know, blessing to to kick off his uh, you know ascension to to power. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. 
Well, uh, just just a little, right? You yeah. know, you 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 talk about the fact that there are these techno mages. Mm. Uh, hard to know what more to say about them, other than that they they appear to do uh, things that uh, that are not doable by conventional science in ways that uh, you know that that a kind of a very strongly uh, 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 t- trained illusionist would pull off. Yeah. Okay. They're on the station because they're bugging out to the rim. Fantastic. Before mm-hmm. they bug out to the rim, Londo wants to get their blessing. Why? Because just recently, the son and heir presumptive of the Centauri throne has died, leaving his dad, uh, who is pitched to us as a infirm and near, near-death uh, and doddering old codger... Yeah, yeah, you know, is presented to us as uh, uh, you know a simpering near death mm-hmm. fool. Yeah. Uh, uh, Londo, by virtue of his shenanigans in Quadrant Thirty Seven, mm-hmm. is now suddenly seen by by the Centauri elites as the kind of person who could really restore a certain yeah. degree of Centauri dignity to the throne. Oh, and how convenient mm-hmm. that the heir presumptive of the throne is no longer with us. So mm-hmm. Londo is visited by his pal, Lord Rifa, mm-hmm. and they engage in the classic game of aristocratic nonsense. Mm. Uh, and that's, and, 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 and that's where we sort of, that's where we sort of encounter them. Yeah. And you know, we've, we've talked a bit before about wanting to know more about how the Centauri Republic slash Empire works. Um, still seeming to be a Republic in name only because there's this emperor here. Um, and, and we're getting more of that. And it's, and it's just as delicious as I was hoping, although it's not as well defined. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely this, this emperor who, but, and, and it seems to traditionally, we, we get the implication that it is passed along, secession is passed along through primogeniture, you know, yes. to the eldest son. And ooh, the eldest son has had some sort of unfortunate accident. Um, you know, I, 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 for one, am, am wondering, you know, where uh, Mr. Morden was on that particular occasion. Yes. You know, it, it would, uh, it seems rather convenient to be positioning things in. Um, yes, leaving a potential power gap. Now there's, there's other heirs out there, presumably, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn of a, a nephew. Um, but anytime you get one of these wh- where the, 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 the clear line of secession is breaking, right. that's, that's when, that's when you start to have, have trouble. And when there's blood in the water and the sharks, the, the aristocratic sharks like Londo and Rifa, you know, start to swarm. Totally. And and that's exactly what we see here. And and this is what makes this episode a kind of delicious prefigurement for what's coming, right? You have, in the case of the Centauri polity, the Centauri nation, mm-hmm. institutions that look monarchical, they call it an empire, but they, they look monarchical, right? Mm-hmm. And institutions that look republican, we're going mm-hmm. to meet the Centauri Prime Minister a little bit down the road, okay? Mm-hmm. So there is, there are these these institutions, right? But legitimacy 
is always going to be in the monarchical, symbolic, ceremonial side of the state, right? Yeah. Now, every single example of a monarchical or imperial system has some mechanism to reduplicate itself, mm-hmm. to, to, to create within itself the means of sustaining itself indefinitely in power. Now, sometimes these are very, very well-established, well-followed, Mm-hmm. And 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 have not a they don't have a, any real history of failure, sort of the 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 imperial mm-hmm. the chrysanthemum throne of Japan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very clear. Other times, you have cases of of imperial states where the succession is virtually always a problem, mm-hmm. and that would take us back, Chris. I think to your and our you know to our kind of favorite Rome. Right, right, which is definitely a strong inspiration for the Centauri, uh, yeah. you know, culturally, we can see. Uh, and if you look at, if you look at the first, uh, you know, first couple hundred years of the of the Roman Empire, um, it's it's really pretty willy nilly how you get a successor to an right. emperor. Um, you know, if you, you know, you, you don't actually, I was, I was, you know, doing actually some research. This is one of the benefits of having to record an episode twice is, you know, you know the things you should have looked up ahead of time. Um, right, right. Do you know who the the first emperor uh, who was the natural son of his predecessor was? Huh. Okay. Deep um, history, uh, deep ho- history hold dive on. here. I'm going to say Domitian. Nope. No. No. Okay. We're going... Uh, 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 Antoninus Pius? A a little bit later. Too later, actually. Commodus. Are you kidding me? Commodus was the first first natural-born son? The first natural-born son of, uh, you know, of of his, you know, serving father. The first one who was... You know, and I, I was, I just happened to be, you know, I'm listening to the great uh, History of Rome podcast from Mike Duncan. And yeah, I just, yeah, it's great. I happened to be at the piece about, oh, uh, that's funny. about Marcus Aurelius and Commodus. And he mentions, you know, I'm just listening to it today. And he mentions that Commodus is the first one who was born to the purple. Ding. Right, um, ding. The, right. The, the, first, the first emperor who was actually born into that, that kind of power. And if you look, I mean, it's as easy as going onto Wikipedia and going down the list of Roman emperors, and it's, you know, the nephew of the the you know great cousins, you know, third, you know, third generation removed of, you know, you you look down the list, um, you know, seized by military control, appointed by Senate, um, all the way down the line, you know, most of them are adopted. You know, yeah, where, where you get a family line, it's there's definitely a a, a policy of adoption, but you know, you, you get almost 300 years in before before really things settle into, yeah, the son is going to, is definitely going to be the one inheriting here. Yeah. Plenty of examples where, where these folks had kids and that, you know, did not end up either living through or, or making it to, uh, to be emperor. Right. So, or, it, or it, who it, were done in, in, yeah. in palace intrigue. 
right before they could right and and it's it that's why it's crucial you know each each of these emperors had to appoint their successor you know usually well before they they're passing uh, really in, until you get all the way down to Commodus, you know, uh, 200 years down the line. Yeah, yeah. And we know how he turned out. Right, dreadful. Yeah, yeah murdered in an arena by a gladiator who then brought freedom to Rome. Right, just as you say. Yes. I was entertained. Mm. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so... But, 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 I mean, to your to point, say, right? In a situation like that, you've got a system that, that is very fragile... Um, and and breaks many many times in those two hundred years when you don't get a clear successor appointed. Right. So right. You know, it feels like you know it's it's it, it's no coincidence that the Centauri are so similar to the Romans. And ooh, we've got we're teetering on the brink here. What's going to happen? Right. You know? Right. You know the 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 most obvious. Again, you know, this sort of air presumptive, right? Now that he's dead, well, that just opens that opens the game, yeah, up for for all manner. I mean, you know, the word of the day is shenanigans, right? You could even call it a Game of Thrones if you you well, in in all fairness, I mean, you're being yeah. you're being flippant, but you I am. could, right? But it, it is, know, and these, and that's also you know the the core behind the story of Game of Thrones, you know the. You know, secession crisis, you know, who's taking over here? What's going right. on? So it's a popular... Right. Well, although that comes after Babylon 5, but... Yeah. You know, th- there's a reason why the great political thinkers of the ancient world uh, wanted nothing to do with monarchy in and of itself, mm-hmm. democracy in and of itself, and aristocracy in and of itself. Because if you leave aristocracy unchecked, what you get is... Uh, kind of rampant game playing, mm-hmm. uh, m- murderous factionalism, and the most profound of disorder. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and they they do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, and it all right? distracts from what needs to get done, and and not even distracts, but but gets in the way of what needs to be done. Right, right. It makes so. it virtually impossible to carry on the affairs of state mm-hmm. because the affairs of state become, well, this one said that thing to that person, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's what, uh, you know, to your point, it's what Jon Snow is saying all the time. We have to unite. Yeah. We have enough of this. We, we, enough. We, we don't enough, have time enough. for any of this. Yeah. We don't have time yeah. for any of this. We've already lost Mm-hmm. This war, right? Now, you know, the fact that, that Londo has gone waist deep in with the shadows, mm-hmm. well, that's tragic if the only person harmed is Londo. And right. the and, and, and the, the, the tens of thousands of Narns that he that he he, he caused to be killed, right? Sure. But what this is showing us, right, is you don't need much to bring the entire Centauri people into a place of, of compromise. Right. And does Londo have the moral strength to not do that? There is no evidence he all. does not. Right? There's no evidence that he does. Yeah. So all this suggests 
is that the shadow power is going to rise as the aristocracy on the Centauri homeworld engages in its in its endless nonsense. And and you can see all kinds of examples in the history of France and the history of the United Kingdom of exactly what happens when uh, when you have this kind of secession succession uh, uh, kind of when questions are raised. Yeah. Right. The aristocracy will literally destroy the substance of the country mm-hmm. trying to decide who's going to come into power. And, and all of those examples from our own history are, I hate to call them historical accidents, but they're, you know, they're, they're things that have come up in and of themselves. They're not necessarily precipitated by an outside force, you know, that's, that's trying, that's using this chaos to serve its own needs. You know, right. <clears throat> shadows play a long game. And shadows play a long game. I yep. have every reason to believe that, that this is a very conscious, we're going to take the Centauri off the board here. And, yep. you know, as yep. I, I was sort of joking about, you know, about Morden's involvement earlier, but, you know, absolutely, you know, I, I don't think it's ever actually addressed, but uh, it's my working theory right now that, you know, create as much chaos, push Londo to, to try to, you know, to, to seek to, to, to be that ambitious, to seek that kind of control, um, tie them up in knots. And that's one power off the board that you don't have to worry about. You know, Earth is going to have its own stuff that it has to deal with. Well, how much right. of the shadow is involved in what's coming up there? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's right. it's a it's a it's a divide and conquer strategy, and uh, it's playing directly into the um, the the instincts, the the proclivities of the Centauri and of Londo, particularly. Right, right. You know, th- this is, you know, that the shadows could not have picked a more fortuitous uh, um, people mm-hmm. to throw in their lot with. Well, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do the shadows yeah. want? A good partner. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And they definitely seem to have found one in Londo. And, you know, okay, if, if Morden was involved in the nephew, in, not in the nephew, in the son's, the emperor's son's death. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that's sort of to be expected. But if not, then this is just an example of you. If you keep positioning yourself thoughtfully, mm. when history turns to your advantage, just through dumb luck, you will be there to seize that advantage. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and y- y- you know it doesn't. It doesn't take a lot of. It doesn't take a lot of of critical thinking. Particularly if you know something about, uh, you know, the way that monarchies sustain mm-hmm. themselves, right? Mm-hmm. To think, oh, good grief. May, Emperor Turhan, long may he reign. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, long not, not may likely. he reign. Now, yeah. Not likely, of course, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really problematic. And, but but I, I think it's really, it's really a nice piece of writing mm-hmm. to give us a lot of texture about the Centauri. Not not, not surprising, necessarily, yeah. right? Yeah. Certainly they're not behaving in ways that are surprising, you know, to, 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 
to me, mm-hmm. having spent a lot of time studying aristocracy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not, this is all of a piece, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and and it is a good piece of writing because it all, it's all, almost everything we're talking about here is before the opening credits even come. You know, it's, In some it's respects, that, yes, right? It's, it's the, the meat of this is the scene uh, with Rifa and Londo and Veer sort of trimming. Right, with the hair uh, Trimming Londo's yep. hair, yeah. Um, and, and, and then, you know, Londo goes off on his sort of, as we say, shenanigans with the techno mages, you know, the, right. the less said about the better. Uh, and that, that fills up the episode. But Londo does, at some point later on, he mentions that, that, you know, he wants, he wants to get their blessing to help to restore the Republic to, you know, he, so he's, he's, he's got himself in this, this, he's still maintaining the, the illusion, whether it's internal as well as external, that, that everything he's doing is for the benefit of, of his people. You know, he's not, uh, he's, he, oh, of course he's, I'm not greedy. You know, I'm doing this to restore the Centauri people. Yeah. I think he really believes it. Do you? I don't, well, my hesitation suggests that I, that I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I would think it's probably ambition is deeply enough ingrained in the society and the cultural yeah. beliefs that yeah. it's and it's always put in that envelope of for the greater glory of the republic sure that, that it's it's inseparable yeah. within it can't their be own disentangled psyche. yeah yeah they, they wouldn't be able to, to to say you know which it is yeah i i think i think you'd have to press him pretty hard for him to agree with you but mm-hmm. i think you're right mm-hmm Right. I th- I, and, uh, well, frankly, I think I'm right, too. I think he does believe he's doing it for the betterment of his people. Yeah. But the fact that there's also a very significant betterment to Londo. Right. right. He'd, right. He'd, 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 he'd want to de-emphasize that and re-emphasize, you know, the other. Everyone thinks that their way is what's going to be the best for whatever group they're leading. Right. You know, I certainly right. do. And right. when I ascend to the throne, you know, it's, it's for the glory of... Uh, I don't know, whoever is willing to throw money and support at me, I suppose. Aren't you already sitting the uh, imperial throne of the uh, Western Roman Empire? Haven't you already made claim to that throne? I thought you had at some point. I, you know, nobody else was taking it and been a while, so I figured I would just sort of pick it up and run with it. But yeah, it, 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 I tried it on for a while. It didn't really fit. Yeah. We'll see all those, all those, uh, All those robes and sashes. Yeah. Yeah, they just they 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 clashed terribly with your, you know, with the name you know, of the Senate people you, of Rome, Rome, do, Rome, rubbish, 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 Rome, Rome, Rome. <laughs> We're gonna get letters. We're um, not gonna put that in the show notes. Oh no no no. Uh, Twenty seconds about Veer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I work for Ambassador Malari. Nothing, mm. nothing scares me. <laughs> Look, you, one of the things we said at the end of the last season was, or, or what I, that I said was, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we'd had a little bit more content from the assistants? I know you can't have it, but I really do like them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, y- you know, the, the new Lanier from a couple of episodes ago, I thought a little weird, but I kind of like it. And this Veer getting a little bit more depth, I like. 
you know, we've we've talked about the new Natoth, and you know, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but Veer is definitely, you know, he's he's right in there, and he's as much as he's nervous and and racked with anxiety, um, you know, he he gets the job done, you know, and he I think he he's very rightly has that that level of fear going into going into the the quarters of the of the techno mages, um, right? You know, they they seem to be, you know, pretty fearsome, you know, just from from reputation and all, but. Uh, but yeah, and well, and when he's in there, he's he's trimming Londo's hair, and you know he's he's sort of he's he's background, but but he's there and he's listening. And oh he hears yes, that that whole conversation about oh you know the emperor is a frightened old man, and you know, you know he's 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 absorbing all of this and, and filing things away, and and wheels are turning within Veer. Yes, and I'm delighted to see it. Yeah. Yeah, glad now, we get some more screen time with him. Yes. Yeah, now, so, gentle listeners, one mm-hmm. of the things that Chris and I were talking about in the pre-show was we felt like there may have been some parallel structure between the arbitrary nature of the Drazi conflict mm-hmm. and the nature of the aristocratic conflict that's emerging in the Centauri uh, you know, in the Centauri aristocracy, right? Right, right. Right. We weren't sure that it was entirely there, we're reading into it or whatever, but, mm. you know, I, I I like the fact that the Drazi, every now and again, divided themselves into two completely arbitrary classes of people mm-hmm. that then had to determine which one would be dominant over the course of the next sort of four-year cycle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an election. It's kind of like an Olympic Games. It's kind of like a Super Bowl, right? It's meaningless, but it means something, mm-hmm. right? Now, un- until they started actually killing each other on the Drazi homeworld, that felt like a shadow influence kind of thing happening. Or it was just it was just turning the analogy you know, up to 11, uh, yeah. you know, frankly, and... and and ham-handedly, you know, doing so, I think. Yeah, it didn't um, need to go there, but they took it there anyway. Yeah, just to show the extreme that it's going to go to and how, you know, forcing, forcing some kind of action, um, which is then completely and utterly diffused by the end of the episode and doesn't, you know, doesn't have any kind of lasting, um, right. who knows. You know, I said, oh, you know, Deathwalker's not going to have any kind of lasting impact on the series, but I was wrong. So so maybe it, maybe it will, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was... Uh, I, I was I was less than impressed with with the Drazi storyline, um, just because it's it's delivered so on the nose. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And especially when you get to the end and the 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 you know Ivanova saying this is all over just a piece of cloth, and and your your green Drazi leader says, well, you know, isn't that what you do with flags? You just sort of choose arbitrarily and you and you begin killing each other. He doesn't say it as you know. Flowingly, because they speak in this kind of like, you know, Drazi uh, talk, you know, Hulk smash yeah. talk, but right. uh, and it was, you know, it, it's the same kind of allegory that uh, you know that Star Trek has been doing since the dawn of time, particularly the old series. Sure, um, it sure. Seemed every every other episode was this kind of, you know, like war, man. Isn't it just dumb? Why don't we think about it? It's all arbitrary, man. Kind of, you know, yeah, stuff. yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I can so see that. I, I think it was poorly executed, but you know, our our conversation. You know, last time we uh, we recorded this <laughs> this episode, uh, is this is this kind of foreshadowing the the Centauri Civil War that may well come down the line? You know, based on this on the secession crisis that you know seems to be rushing towards us. Yeah. Um, and and. I don't know. I feel less generous towards JMS about this than John does. If I may put words into your mouth. Oh um, no, you can. Be, because because we're not at the point of that conflict in the Centauri yet. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't think that was that's the intent of the of the Drazi conflict, uh, and we so rarely see the A and B plots lining up. To deliver the same kind of message or to be in sync and we and we've definitely talked about that before where yeah, yeah. oh you know if they took this this b plot and put it in with believers well then you've got yourself a you know a rip roar of an episode yeah um, yeah and time and time again that doesn't happen so i you know, i tend to think that probably maybe wasn't the intent in writing the episode but it, it it gives us some nice kind of foreshadowing or some you know, we as as the viewer can interpret, you know, how how we see fit, know, knowing what's coming along yeah. down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, certainly an interesting leadership case study for for Commander Ivanova. Mm, yes, she gets a nice gets her nice promotion. Yeah, in this episode. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 it, she's pushed into this leadership position um, to to handle the crisis, and and Sheridan's really very hands off in this episode um you know very much in the you know in the background although i it's it's nice that he you know he he gets he he kind of sees he sees the real londo you know he's not londo tries to take him in on the whole oh range oh yeah and then and then it comes back so so it's like okay sheridan knows what he's dealing with here so this is for sure yeah 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 um that's and I, I like the fact that um, that even that even when Ivanova's leadership instincts were getting her foot broken, you mm-hmm. know, and and mm-hmm. she was she was she was struggling, right? Yeah. His response was, "I have full I have full confidence mm-hmm. in your you know in your in your abilities, with, you know, Commander. You will figure it out. You know, and I you know I've certainly I've certainly been there with with people who have reported to me." You know, mm-hmm. from a from a leadership chain of command. You know, yeah. I have every confidence in what you're going to decide to do. Once you've decided on what you're going to do, just let me know. Mm-hmm. You do it. I'm not going to do it for you, right? You're going to have to figure this one out. Yeah. And uh, and I think she needs that kind of. She needs those experiences. She had you know a week or so of managing the station without Sinclair before Sheridan arrived. But yeah. uh, But you know this this gives her something of a little bit. You know, presumably, you know, lesser stakes. At least at the time, they think that it's lesser stakes in right. the situation. You know, to to kind of gain that kind of leadership self and diplomatic self confidence. And your diplomacy, maybe not her, you know, her strongest attribute. She's um, uh, she's uh, she's she's developing her diplomatic skills. Yeah, yeah. But at this you point, know. she'd rather just go in and yell at people and tell them what to do. Yes. Can't say I blame her. Which is which is one approach, right? Yes, yes. So yeah, she's uh, and I have a feeling if things really went started to go south, 
Sheridan would be there Sheridan know, to, to step in and, and, you know, and, and, and bail her out in, in a way that allowed her to save face. I get that, you know, it's early on, but I get that sense about Sheridan. He's not gonna, he's not going to just come in and, and, you know, stomp all over the situation and, and make her look like an idiot and feel like an idiot. Right. I mean, if, if his instincts, if he were less confident, his instincts would be to intervene earlier. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he doesn't tells us a little bit about him and about, you know, and about her, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got in, in John Sheridan, a captain prepared to make decisions mm-hmm. in a way that sometimes it felt like Commander Sinclair was a little, uh, he would try to be clever, games and tricks. Yes. Right, rather than just making a decision. Mm-hmm. Right. You wanted to make a point about Garibaldi. Yeah, and, and it, it kind of ties into this. He's, uh, you know, Sheridan also seems to take a, uh, uh, a hands-off approach when dealing with Garibaldi. Um, and that, I don't know if that was the right, call i mean it works you know because it's a a written story yeah but uh you know we we see garibaldi in a pretty dark place here in this episode he's you know sitting on the literally and uh and metaphorically he's in the dark in his quarters you know sitting on the floor cleaning his pistol um you know everything there is is you know relating you know subtext of of you know suicidal thoughts talking about how he's uh, no good to anybody and right. you know, he can't do his job anymore because the mysterious unnamed second in command, you know, shot him and he didn't see it coming. Um, so, you know, and, and but there is that, that nice little scene where, you know, Sheridan just kind of, you know, picks up the, picks up the pistol and tucks it back into the holster and yep. know, keep, and just says, well, you know, I really, you know, no one knows the station like you do. And I really want to have you back and, you know, but it, but I'm going to leave it to be your call, right. and, and, and I'm going to acknowledge mm-hmm. that keeping you on is probably the politically unsound thing to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, you have a knows, colorful resume, Mr. Garibaldi. Uh, right, colorful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind. It's <laughs> a kind way of putting it. Um, yeah, and and you know, of course, as it turns out, you know, Garibaldi's knowledge of the station and his his growing paranoia. Uh, do end up saving the day at the end. Um, but again, I, I feel like it, 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 it works when you're writing an, uh, a 42 minute long, you know, television script, but you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like if someone were in that much of a, of a, of a kind of internal crisis situation that just saying, well, you know, I hope you come back, you know, see ya and and leaving them to to think about it. Right. I don't know if that's the best idea. I'd agree with that. Hmm. But I'm glad that Garibaldi's back on his feet and uh and we like I said the the the, the paranoia is growing in him. He, he does say he doesn't trust Sheridan. I don't think Sheridan's, you know, sort of earned that trust yet. Right. You know, Sinclair was his only real friend right know, long time friend um, and so that had been built over time but uh, uh, I, we'll, we'll probably see that growing that's something to keep an eye on as we go through further episodes 
For sure. So I think we've uh, made it to the end of our first forced... <laughs> forced reboot? Uh, Re-record, re- re- right? Yeah. yeah, it's a retcon or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, in fairness, I think the second... I think this second version is better than the one we were going to put out. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've hit all the the main points, and I think we've we've sounded smarter about it too. Yeah, that's yeah. always a good thing. Yeah, folks, Look, this, this is as smart is, as we're going to sound. So, so you know, hmm. adjust right. expectations is, accordingly. That's correct. <laughs> this is a kind of right up the middle of the plate on mythology episode. We need what's in here, mm-hmm. right? It's very character heavy. Very character heavy, which 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 we've gotten a lot of. Mm-hmm. Lately, and I think mm-hmm. that's really good. Yeah, right. And, and uh, you know, we've got some, we've got some, lots of, uh, lots of angles. Mm-hmm. Geometry of shadows. Lots of yeah, angles yeah. coming in the next three or four episodes as well. Yep. You know, as we build to the mid-season crisis, uh, folks. You know where to find us. Uh, our Facebook group is uh, is usually. Uh, trafficy with lots mm-hmm. of uh, interesting feedback and comments. So check for us there. The name of the pod at gmail.com. Look for us online and look for us next week uh, when we uh, continue our journey with the good folks at B5 and all of you. See you.